Welcome everybody to the Magic Beans Podcast. We are back again for episode number 122. I'm your host tonight and my name is Shorty and after a bunch of false starts I have two beans on the line of me tonight. So tonight we've got Cracker. How's it going mate? Good, good. We we got there. Sorry about all the delays yep. boys but uh, <laughs> things are recording so let's go. Hopefully. <laughs> Uh, and we've also got Stu, who's uh, somehow still awake despite the fact that we're recording well after his bedtime. Hey you guys. I, uh, good, good. I don't know how you got that together so quickly. You were laughing so hard at 1.5 <laughs> seconds before the welcome, everybody. And it was it was perfect. He's a professional, that's, that's, mate. That's, yeah, just a professional showman. <laughs> this is what we do. Pull it all together. And then, as you know, by the uh, the live streams that we do, get a few hours in and then just fall to pieces <laughs> and, and get a bit loose. <laughs> Correct. Well, we're, we're already an hour in. And yes. And we've been recording for two minutes, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so int- interesting week. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think a bunch of our plans this week got, got messed up. Stu, you've had a, a good week. You've moved into your new house now, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, I have. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just a great feeling to be in a place that is mine. Yeah. I, ne- I never thought I'd say the day, but here I am. I just now need to unpack my magic cards. <laughs> and figure out where to put your Lego collection. Uh, that's Yeah, I'm probably just going to sell it all to buy more, <laughs> buy more magic cards. That'd be oh, easier. Yeah. You heard well. it here. If you want to buy some Lego, hit Stu up. He's got a got a nice big collection and uh, he's got some things he needs to part ways with. I'm happy to sell it as a bulk lot. I'll do you a good price. Ooh, ooh, here we go. Maybe, maybe we should get Pat into uh, Lego sales. Oh. <sighs> The uh, the Lego Bazaar or something like that. You can buy the buy the collection. Sounds good. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. And uh, Cracker, yes. you and I, we were all set to catch up this weekend and play a whole bunch of Pioneer. That I was, was ready. That was I even the, streamed uh, the on Tuesday night with with deck yep. testing and all that sort of stuff mm. using and the I, world's I was, ugliest application. And yeah, uh, that was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> But I was all set to uh, build some Pioneer decks tomorrow morning before I head down to uh, to our caravan, and uh, unfortunately, one of your kids has come down with COVID. Sure has. Mm, thanks, not, thanks, buddy. Not good. No, oh, he's no. fine. He, you know, it's um, it's just like cold symptoms. But he woke up a couple of times last night and he wasn't feeling great. And we're like, all right, well, let's do a test. And yeah, then immediately this. Bold line <laughs> under the, the tea extra popped up, and we're just like, ah, come on, <laughs> rip my Easter. So, yeah, yep. spending the next week at home. Uh, that's okay. It's going to happen. Well, I'll tell you what, Cracker, I'm yeah. only just down the road. I'm happy to come and sit outside your living room window and sling spells. <laughs> between we'll play the glass. magic through the day. <laughs> oh, That's not a bad idea, actually. Stop. I've heard worse ideas. <laughs> we could stream it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's the worst idea. Yeah. Not only have you got glare from your sleeves, you've got glare through a window. But anyway, <laughs> we can try these things. Uh, very good. But you, yeah, you will have to let Dash know that the the Easter Bunny will not be able to visit this weekend. Wow. So there's no uh, no Easter eggs because Easter Bunny doesn't want COVID. Because if he gets COVID, he can't give everyone else their Easter eggs. That's that's how it goes. I think <laughs> he just, be, he's wearing he'll a mask when that. he comes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Dash is, is known for his you know calm temperament. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. <laughs> anyway. All right. 
Anyway, we are we are here tonight to talk about Magic: The Gathering. That is the uh, the name of the game that we play. And yeah, before we get into that, we're going to shout out shout out our awesome sponsors, which I might do tonight. Uh, I, I very very rarely do the uh, the sponsor shout out. So go for it, mate. Huge huge shout out to Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar. They are a Facebook auction group, and you can go to JPMTG Bazaar. It will take you It will take you straight to the Facebook page. You join up on the group. And, uh, yeah, Pat posts four lots every single night. Two of them are auctions, so they start at zero. There is no no price on them, and you just bid what you want throughout uh, the 24-hour period, and then hopefully you're the person with the highest bid at the end. And then there are two win-it-nows where, uh, yeah, they're listings with set prices, and you can just type sold on the, in the comments, and the card is yours. So I've uh, actually bought some cards this week from Pat, uh, this is I the, saw that probably yeah. the second time ever. <laughs> I assumed somebody else just had your login details. No, no, no. Yeah, I, uh, I think I mentioned it on the podcast last week. I built a new commander deck, which I actually basically built from scratch. You know, I've said this a million times that I've really struggled to build the concept of building a commander deck. Yes. And I went, you know, I'm gonna build. I'm gonna build a green, white, black, like an Abzan, uh, like creature combo reanimation sort of sort of deck and i you know i got a few i was like all right i'm just going to get someone else's list and build that and what i ended up doing was getting like four different lists and compiling all the cards and then going all right what do i want to actually build out of this and i had to do like the full oh i've got 150 cards i need to cut cards out of here and that sort of thing and it was i found it quite enjoyable but nice the end result of that was that I uh, I needed a demonic tutor, and yeah, one came up on the auctions, and I snagged it for a, a pretty good price. I, th- I think it was you know sort of looking at comparison prices on on eBay and things like that. I reckon I got it for like ten bucks cheaper than is the going rate. So definitely some bargains to had at, at to be had at Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar. So yeah, go and jump in there, bid on some stuff, and then when you win, tell them the beans sent you. Uh, I'm I, I didn't actually tell Pat that the beans sent me, but I'm assuming that he knew. I think he knows that, who you that are. The beans yeah, I hope so. <laughs> sent me. <laughs> we, Pat, you've, you've talked to him once or twice. <laughs> yes. Now with a with a new set release coming up, which I mm. believe we're talking about a bit tonight, we are, he's yes. also running his uh, usual new set uh, giveaways. I think it runs out next Sunday, the twenty fourth. All you have to do is find the post on his Facebook page about it, and it is I think it's something that you've built or yes something handy that you have done. You just have to post a picture of that. So. Easy to enter, and as always, yeah, Pat's just super generous and giving away booster boxes, set boot, I can't remember, bundles. Lots of stuff. Lots of stuff, always. Yep. So, yeah, make sure you get in and, and join in on that as well. Very good. All right, so, yeah, as you mentioned, Stu, tonight is basically all about uh, the new set that's coming out, which is Streets of New Capenna, uh, which will be releasing in the near future. So we'll do our usual show where we take you through the mechanics in this set, We've got Cracker back on with his mechanics voice ready to go. Mecha- That's right. Mechanics voice? I don't think it's a mechanic. What do mechanics sound like to have a mechanics voice? How's it going? <laughs> I don't want to That's disparage any, any uh, mechanics, mate. They're very important people because I can't fix a single thing on my car. Pretty so. sure they sound like how I sound, so I can get away with it. I yeah, mean, I, I, did a, I did a year and a half of mechanics apprenticeship, so right. they, sound, they sound exactly like me, which is an Aussie bogan. <laughs> You, you said it, mate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. So yeah, we'll be we'll be talking all about the mechanics, and then uh, yeah, we'll run through a few cards that 
we like the look of. So, Cracker, you're going to yes. take us away with the new mechanics. I would love to. So, we've got five new mechanics and we have a returning one. So, we have one mechanic for each of the families. So, we're just going to go from the top down. And the first one is called Connive. This is Obscura's new mechanic. Obscura is- <coughs> It, it, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I was very anti it when we was law holding and that sort of stuff, but we'll, we'll, we'll try it for now. Obscura, so it's black, blue, white. Uh, and the mechanic is pretty easy. It is called Connive, and it says draw a card, and then discard a card. If you discarded a non-land card, put a plus one, plus one counter on this creature. So it's always on a creature. It will trigger under different circumstances, but whenever it says Connive, it's always the same thing. It's loot. If you discarded a non-land card, then you get a plus one, plus one counter. It's pretty straightforward. It's pretty what do you guys good. think of this one? I like it. I mean, I like the loot effect more so than the counters. The counter's just a nice little bonus. Yeah, looting is always good. And yes. always loot. Like, <laughs> always. Just all- <laughs> any time you have an opportunity to loot, just do it, okay? Yeah. Uh, and it's 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 on a- like, there's a bunch of different things that are triggering the conniver ability. Correct, yeah. There. Sometimes it's like attack step or combat damage or- the, the example here is uh, whenever a player casts their second spell on each turn, then the ledge shredder connives. So, it's a two mana one three bird with flying. And, uh, you know, you cast this, cast another spell. You get to make it into a two four, assuming you discard it on land. And then, yeah, it's pretty good. That's also like this creature, this is triggering off any player whenever Correct. a whenever player a casts player. their second spell yes. each turn. So, so not, it does not a have bad to creature, be- actually. The same player. So, it's not like you can have your opponent cast a spell and then you cast a spell. It's yeah. it's the A player. So, it's going to be like the same person cast two spells in one turn. But, I mean, yeah. that's pretty easy to do. This thing will get, you know, pretty pretty good. Pretty bigger blocking and stuff like that. Yeah. But, yeah, good good filtering ability because, yeah, if, obviously, if you need the land, you're, you know, you're, you're going to discard a, a non-land card and, and that's going to create make your creature bigger. But if you don't need lands, well, just discard those anyway. And uh, you're just filtering and putting good stuff in your hands. The next one is the Maestros. Uh, I'm trying to forget. I've forgotten the word already. (laughs) Mechanic. There's the word I'm looking for. (laughs) I'm half asleep. The Maestro is blue, black, and red. It is the Grixis one. Uh, And theirs is called Casualty. So, it says Casualty, and then it will have a number. The number will be different. In the example here, it's Casualty 1. And it says, as you cast this spell, you may sacrifice a creature with a power one or greater. When you do, copy this spell. Uh, so, the example here is a little chat, which is pretty cool. It's one in a blue. It says, look at the top two cards of your library. Put one of them into your hand and the other on the bottom of your library. So, if you cast this, you sacrifice a one-one. You get to have this effect twice. So, it's not a cast trigger. It's a copy, but you still get two, you know, instances of this spell immediately which is pretty great yeah and it's it's triggering when you're casting the spell and then it's putting it the copy on the stack so it's like yeah it's so like they can, storm they can, or something like that so they can yeah, counter yes. one of the copies but yeah but they yeah, can't interfere with the sacrifice ability yeah. so they can't there, there are certain things it's not targeting a creature or anything like that so it's literally additional cost yeah. of the spell. So, you can choose yeah. not to sacrifice a creature if you don't have one, it won't happen. But otherwise, yeah, you cast it. You say, I'm going to cast this. I sacrifice my 1-1. One, one. There's no window for your opponent to go, ah, well, I'm going to kill that creature so you don't get your casualty yeah. thing. It's, yeah, it's, it's no, already no gone. It's get, happened. Correct. No way to get blown out by- Yeah, exactly. Which is good. Like the, you know, like the, what is it, deadly dispute, those sorts of things where it's 
you know, as an yeah, addition to creature. cast this spell, yeah. sacrifice a creature, and so you sacrifice the creature as as part of casting it, and then if they counter the spell or whatever, it's too late. You've already sacrificed that creature. So yes, yeah, this you will get. You will get the copy no matter what if you sacrifice a creature. Yeah, and there's different numbers that go with the casualty Correct. thing, which yeah. determine the power that you need to. Exactly right. And, and it will be a singular creature. You can't sacrifice multiples to make up the total value. So you can't sacrifice two one ones to have a casualty two. Um, yep. We're going we're gonna to have a that chat about Obnixilus later and he's got casualty X. So it's literally you can sacrifice any size creature and you would just get the effect for whatever X equals. So again, yep. I like these. None of these are super complicated mechanics, but there is, there's a lot of them. Yeah. We've seen uh, that- sort of mechanic before I can't remember what they were exploit called. Exploit was the one we used exploit, to have. that's the one. Yeah. 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 And and that was good. That that just, you know, you'd sacrifice a creature as a, as a um, additional cost. So when a creature easy bead or as part of a spell, and then, yeah, you'd, you'd get like yeah. a secondary effect. If you exploited, then this. Yeah. There was one, there was a mechanic in, I think like Eldritch Moon or something like that that was similar. It was like meant to be a creature mutating out of another creature. I can't remember what that, that was called, but yeah, we've seen this a few times, different sacrifice a creature as as you're doing something and you get some sort of benefit for, for doing that. Yeah. So the next one we've got is the River Tears, which is the black, red, green colours. There's Jund. And the River Tears mechanic is called Blitz. Blitz is going to be on a creature and it says, if you cast this spell for its Blitz cost, it gains haste. And when this creature dies, draw a card, sacrifice it. it at the beginning of the next end step. So your creature gets haste and you draw a card when it dies. It will always die at the end of turn. Again, straightforward. Seems really good. I'm, and and I'm usually the the blitz cost will be less than the normal casting cost of it. Yeah, which is quite good. Like because you like the example here is a four cost creature. Its blitz blitz cost is only one and a red. Mm-hmm. So you get haste, but by getting to draw a card when it dies, you replacing itself. So it's actually it's almost like cycling, but you uh, you also get the creature and potentially yeah, other that's, things. That's that come a really good point, it. actually. It, it it feels almost like it's almost like a vogue or something like that as well, where you get like mm. the creature, but you, you basically just get like a free attack step with it. Or in this case, you know, you can uh, Jaxus the act- troublemaker. Activation. You get a free activation because yeah. it's you know red yeah, and tap, cool. discard a card, create a, co- a token, and because it's got haste, it you know. You can do that on the same turn. So, yeah, pretty cool. I, I like the look of this one. Uh, yeah, it's an in- in- interesting one. I'm, I'm quite keen because, like, Hasty we've got- things. Yeah. We've already got in standard a bunch of sacrifice, uh, like, decks and, and things that are, you know, wanting you to sacrifice your permanent. So, mm-hmm. if you've already got some other sacrifice outlet, it doesn't matter how the creature dies- that, that you've blitzed, it will die at the end of the turn no matter what because you have to sacrifice it, but you can sacrifice it to an alternate co- uh, to an alternate uh, sure. source and get still get value. to draw, draw a card off of it. So sort of dub- doubling up on what you're doing. Yeah, seems really good. Mm. The next one we've got is the Cabaretti family. They are green, red, and white, the Naya colors. And their mechanic is Alliance. Alliance is probably the easiest one. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, something happens. It will tell you whatever that something is. Worth noting that it's every time a creature. It doesn't say once per turn or anything like that. And it is also not non-token, which is important because it seems like there's a bit of token support in the Naya colors in this set. 
and uh, you know if you're going to drop a couple of you know one one tokens and you get a couple of double triggers and, and all that sort of stuff so yeah you, you might be able to get out of hand with some alliance things here yeah this seems like a mechanic where they've just sort of put a put a word in front of the the <laughs> yeah, text exactly. that you would you would normally <laughs> but, it's not really a, a mechanic kind of yeah it's good to just keyword things sometimes you know makes it yeah. nice and clean yep but yeah very very easy one to understand and should work quite well the um the example that they give here is is actually one of the cards that I had on on my list to to talk about so I might as well talk about it while it's sitting right sure. in front of us which is the the devilish valet uh, it's a two and a red for a one three devil warrior with trample and haste. The, the good old one power trample creatures. You got to love those. Dreadful Arkans, yeah. mate. <laughs> it's got, got the alliance ability. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, double devilish valet's power until end of turn. So mm. this you think is in Pamela, yeah. Shorty. Is that is that what this brings you back to? Yeah. Well, I mean, all it takes is like uh, like you said, Cracker. There are token generator type things in in standard at the moment. You know, all, all it takes is what, what's the goblin version of Raise the Alarm? It's one of those, like, two two mana create two yeah. goblins. Empty the Warrens type thing? No, no, no that's, that. that's, that's, that's Storm. That's but, but yeah. yeah, yeah. But, yeah, you know, you, you play this and you play a second creature, you know, one drop or something after it, it becomes a 2-3 a trample haste. Yeah, that's fine. But The Cabaretti Charm... Makes two one one green white citizen tokens yep. at instant yep. speed, yep. so yeah. you can kind so of yeah th- things like that because you yeah if you can get two or three creatures to enter the battlefield you're you're doubling it so it's it goes from one power to two power then from two power to four power four power to eight power if if you manage to get three creatures coming into the battlefield that's that's pretty good and at the end of the day it's a uh, it's a one three with haste so it's a uh, it's not too bad I don't I don't know if it would actually be strong enough and who knows about a uh, good old mono red at the moment, but yeah, in- interesting card and potentially abusable when you, you know, if only we had things like mutagenic growth and, and things like that in there. Uh, <laughs> standard yeah, and yeah, quite sure. nice. I was going to say, yeah, this, this thing obviously plays exceptionally with like pump spells. You want like a Titan strength or something, man, where it gives like yeah, yeah. plus three, plus two and scry one. Yep, yep. That, yeah, that kind of effect, and then, and then, then play a creature and double it. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, yeah, just make make sure you get your uh, you you do things in the correct order and play any pump spell type effects first, and then play the creature because the it's the creature entering the battlefield that is causing the doubling effect. Yes. All right. So the next one we've got is for the brokers. The brokers are green, white, and blue, which is the band colors. If you are old like us. And this one comes with shield counters. So the example here is the disciplined duelist. It is green, white, blue for a two-one with double strike. And it enters the battlefield with a shield counter. A shield counter does two things. One, it is protection. It's not protection. It will prevent the next time a creature will be destroyed or it will prevent the next time it is dealt damage. Once it's dealt damage, though, it can be destroyed. So it's it's got like a little bubble on it, which is... Pretty cool. We've seen this similar kind of effects in um, like totem armor, I guess is probably the first one that I, it jumps to mind where if an effect yeah. would destroy a creature, the, the armor gets destroyed instead. So the shield disappears. The difference here is that if you can, you know, ping it for one, you then can like murder it afterwards. But it means you have to like double up on an effect to, to get rid of these creatures. Yeah, I think like a, a couple of sort of 
big things to note with this is the the umbras that we've had in the past, like the totem armors, they only got destroyed if the creature would be destroyed. So whether yes. it was, you know, murder or enough damage to kill it. Whereas these shields are any damage it takes is is enough to um to get rid of the shield. So like I said, you just sort of need to ping it for, for one damage and then that gets rid of the shield. But it does make it quite awkward to to try and kill these creatures because there's, there's not a lot of, you know, you don't want to spend you know, casting a, a a card that is deal two damage to a creature just to get rid of its shield and then have to kill it again. You're basically two-for-one-ing yourself to, to try and kill these things. So I think this is actually going to be quite a strong uh, mechanic and, and quite powerful. It certainly, you know, protects you from board wipes and things like that as well. Yeah. The other thing to note with it is if it's damage that it's taking while it's still got the shield counter is it's actually preventing the damage. So when when damage is prevented, it stops things like life link from working. So if you've got, uh, you know, if, if you attack in with a life linker and they, and they block with this thing, you, you're not act, the life linker is not actually dealing the damage because the damage is being prevented. And so you're not, you don't get a chance to gain that life. Yeah, it's not like an indestructible creature where you still deal the damage and gain the life, but the creature doesn't die. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's also weird things with like like Bone Crusher Giant, which we, we don't currently have in standard, but there's a, a few a few things in Magic where they have text like like Bone Crusher says damage can't be prevented this turn, uh, and and then it deals two damage to any any target, and and sometimes that just sort of seems like trinket text that's just added onto added onto a spell. But what that means you can do is you can you know stomp someone in the face for two damage, have this thing that is stopping damage from being prevented each turn, and that actually turns off the shield from working. Well, you could just stomp the thing with shield on it. And it yeah, will just kill just, it. Yeah, you, you can, can just target too. it directly. Yeah. yeah, sorry, but it's just yeah. There's there's ways that you, there's ways <laughs> that you can get blown out <laughs> by. Uh, That's true. Yeah, uh, I know it was a thing with like protection creatures and stuff like that in uh, in modern for a while. That you could you could blow people out with uh, with skull cracks and things like that that stopped damage from being prevented. Yes, that is true. Uh, yeah, some, something things. to keep in mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the last mechanic we've got is a returning one, and this one is called Hideaway. We haven't seen Hideaway in a really long time, uh, but this one's cool. So let me just read the whole thing. It says, uh, when this enchantment enters the battlefield, Hideaway, uh, so Hideaway 5, sorry, when this enchantment enters the battlefield, look at the top five cards of your library, exile one face down, then put the rest on the bottom in a random order, and then there'll be an effect where you can cast or play the exiled card without paying its mana cost so for this particular one it's called wiretapping it's five mana it's four and a blue and it says whenever you draw your first card during each of your draw steps draw a card then if you have nine or more cards in hand you may play the exiled card without paying its mana cost so in the hideaway value will change as well it used to always be four you could look at the top four uh, there were a series of lands that were, you know, there was like Spine Rock Knoll and there was um, Sheldock Isle. There was like a whole whole series of them where you looked at the top four, you basically put the best thing underneath it. And then at a certain point, you'd reach the condition to basically tap the land and a couple of others and, and cast the spell for free. Whereas this one is just checking for some um, point to be made. So... In this case, the condition has been met. You've got nine cards in hand, which sounds pretty great to me, drawing double cards. But <laughs> I don't know how many five banner enchantments you get to stick that do nothing. 
<laughs> standard on the turn you cast them, so, and it only triggers when you draw. It only your triggers first card on your draw, each of yeah. your draw steps. <laughs> like it's, no, no, it's so doubling it's, up. It's, it's the second it's doubling draw. up your card. So, yeah, it does. So you have to have seven cards in your hand at the start of your turn when you untap, and then you draw, and then you draw again, and then you get to cast your spell. Yep. But anyway, yeah. uh, so I cool. un- untap with a five mana enchantment with seven cards in hand, <laughs> and then Living you get to the play. Control life. You get to I play mean, one of the top five <laughs> cards off your library that might just be a land, possibly be a land. <laughs> Correct, but you get to play two lands that turn. Do you? No, but no you don't. You, you can, you can no, still you only play actually, one. Yeah, no, that's true. All right. So this card is amazing, and no. Uh, anyway, that's that's all Buy the mechanics we've got. Uh, yeah. Hide away uh, uh, when it was like when I can't remember how it was much Law it was and played, block, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Law and Block. Yeah, I think it was played a little bit in standard at the time, but it's been used in a few random combo decks here or there because you know you could hide away an Emrakul underneath a, a land and then cast it for free and different things like that. So there's been a few different decks that have used the the hideaway lands, but they were always hideaway four, and they were always lands that came into play tapped. So now they're yeah they're on it's on different permanents and there's varying amounts so yeah, yeah pro, pro tip. if you see Sheldock Island Cube take it <laughs> yes you will usually have something you, good you, you can put under it to cast will, later get to it at some point and it is always worthwhile yeah anyway no, very good so yeah nothing crazy complicated in in those mechanics uh, yeah an, an interesting way of doing it with the five families that we've got in this set that, that this set is all themed around and having one mechanic per uh, per family it's a kind of a, a cool way to do it. it gives them their their own identity but yeah obviously these these mechanics will not they're not only going to show up on the multicolored cards for those those families although yeah those wedges or whatever it is they'll be showing up on other other cards as well so keep an eye out for that so let's get into some of the cards that we're interested in seeing. So, Stu, you want to kick us off with one of yours? Yeah, absolutely. So I haven't looked at a lot of cards. I've been very busy while spoiler season's been happening, which is really um, – what preview season, I should say, which is really sad because I, I do like preview season. Uh, but So my first card of choice is the Unlicensed Hearse. It uh, costs two mana. It is an artifact vehicle with uh, – Tap, exile up to two target creatures from a single graveyard. Uh, unlicensed Hearse's power and toughness are each equal to the number of cards exiled with it, and it's crew two. It's two so target it's like cards a, from a single graveyard, just to, just to clarify. Yeah. You said two, cre- two target creatures from a graveyard. Oh, did I? Oh, yeah. wow. I am tired. It's late. <laughs> uh, yeah, two target cards from a single graveyard. So it's, you know, scoos on a vehicle almost. Two to two cards instead of instead of the one, and no mana activation to do that. Unfortunately, you can't do it the same turn it goes down. It comes down, but yeah, you can. I like you can. Yeah, yeah, because it's not it's it not a creature have, it's, until it's, it's crewed until it's yeah. Crude. So so you can activate it the turn it comes down. Which so it's actually right. I actually love this card even more now. Yeah, I'm probably going to just jam it in all my commander decks and just yeah roll with it. Take that, Muldrotha, <laughs> Chewy. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I really like it. It's probably the one card that's stood out to me so far. There's probably a lot more, but um, yeah, I dig it. Yeah. Cracker, how do you feel about Stu exiling all the cards from your graveyard? Oh, mate, it's my favourite thing ever. Uh, (laughs) This card is interesting. It has the potential to get really big in addition to 
you know, yeah. helping keep things under control. I think it's probably a sideboard card. And, and I don't know what kind like, I'm, I'm thinking specifically for standard at the moment. I mean, yeah, obviously yeah. in Commander, there's always people doing graveyard shenanigans because you play with me. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I think, I don't know what there is as far as, you know, like kind of bulk graveyard interaction at the moment in standard, but there's a repeatable hikes. free, uh, like repeatable uh, non-mana gated effects are, they're really good. And then eventually it just turns into a, you know, a thing you can kill somebody with. So, yeah, no, it seems it seems really strong for sure. I think the, like, its power and toughness, I think that's going to count per card, as in, like, this this version of Unlicensed Hearse, it's the, the cards that it exiles. And then if this one dies and you get another yeah. one, its power and toughness is zero because it because that one hasn't exiled any cards yet. Is that... That's- that's how, how I'm it reading reads, it for sure. Uh, yeah. It does say exiled with it, so yeah. Yeah. It, yes, that's the way I would I would read it as well. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you've got to for it to get big. There's got to be cards in your opponent's graveyard to exile, which yeah, you, you're going to have a few, but you could spend a few turns exiling, you know, six or eight cards out of the graveyard, and then you fire this thing up once, and it's a it's an eight eight eight, and it's like, yep, sweet, let's get in, and they kill it, and then uh, the next one you play, you've got no cards to. To exile, so you can yeah. uh, you can exile cards from your own graveyard, though. So there there is that. You can. I'm uh, just thinking about it though. There are there are flashback spells. There are disturb cards. So there's definitely things that people are doing, even if there's not like an all in graveyard deck. There is just kind of value kicking around generally. Yep. So yeah, I've been I've been playing a bit of Blood on the Snow. So sometimes bringing Planeswalkers back from the graveyard. There you go. Yep. That uh, yeah, we'll see how that one goes. Uh, Cracker, you want to yes. give us one of yours? Uh, I do, I do. So, one of mine is called Obnixilus the Adversary. This is a is, legendary- is Mob Nixilus? <laughs> oh, might as well be. Uh- <laughs> you got that soundboard handy? <laughs> <laughs> so, this one has Casualty X. So, this isn't one of its activated abilities. This is Casualty X. So, the copy isn't a legendary creature and has Starting Loyalty X. As you cast this spell, you may sacrifice a creature with power X. When you do copy this spell, you may choose targets for the new copy. So you cast Obnixilus for three. You sacrifice a 3-3 three, three as part of the casualty cost. And then you now have two Obnixilus, the adversaries. One of them is a token and is non-legendary, but it has starting loyalty three. So you can sacrifice any anything, but basically get two Planeswalkers for three mana. Which is insane. So, <laughs> his, his abilities are plus one. Uh, so, like I said, starting loyalty three, uh, plus one. Each opponent loses two life unless they discard a card. If you control a demon or a devil, you gain two life. Minus two, create a one, one red devil token creature with when this creature dies, it deals one damage to any target. And minus seven, target player draws seven cards and loses seven life. Uh, I don't even yes. know where to start with this thing. I mean, like- <laughs> It, three minute planeswalkers, pretty much always good. Like just always. <laughs> but two for one, like really? <laughs> yeah, but but is like that really necessary. So the the first effect is you know it's okay. Your opponent does get the choice, which is not always a great thing you want to give them. But you know they're either discarding or you know they're getting shocked. But if you've got two of them in play and you plus it, it goes to four. Even if you've got one that you plus to two. Like it comes down, you've sacrificed, you know, a shambling ghast or something like that as as part of your turn. Then what you get like a treasure token 
two Obnixiluses. And then they've got the choice of either discarding two cards or taking four damage or discarding one and, and taking two. So, like, this is just a huge amount of pressure to start applying very it's early It's a beating on. early. Like, it's a real beating really early with two of them on the field. Yeah, and, and like Shorty said, I mean, there are already decks that are very keen on sacrificing things. The, you know, Rakdos Anvil decks, pretty keen on you, you sacrificing stuff. You know, it's kind of built around that. So, yeah, this is going to see a lot of play. And then the ultimate, I mean, it's like build your own Grizzle brand. <laughs> so, Grizzle brand at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but this doesn't cost eight mana. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this, I, I, this I, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think it's just that the, the plus one is is just the the biggest kind of draw to this. The the minus two oh, to make a devil doesn't seem particularly great. Uh, you know, the the devil effect is the one we've seen multiple times now. You know, we saw um, who was the other red planeswalker? Tibalt. Tibalt. Tibalt made them. Yes, thank you. War of the Spark. Yeah, we've seen it a couple times. Yeah. So, like, if you if you play this on turn three. Mm-hmm. You go turn one, one drop, turn two, two drop, play this on turn three, sacrifice your two drop. You've now got two planeswalkers, one on loyalty three, one on loyalty two. You plus one, you minus one, whatever, whatever you want to do. You've got a whole combination of things you can, you can do there, but you probably end up with a combined loyalty of five mm-hmm. from a, from a three mana planeswalker spread across two targets. Can I uh, just make you flash your memory back to a, a little card called Oko Thief of Crowns <laughs> that right. was also a three-mana Planeswalker? Yeah. That ca- came onto the battlefield and had four starting loyalty and you would usually plus it. Yeah, but it went to, to six. It would go to six. <laughs> but even if it went to five, it was yeah. just so hard to deal with because it was just such a high amount of loyalty. Now, if you plus one of them and minus one of them, so you're creating a, a devil. You've got at you've got at least one blocker for when they attack. So there is virtually no way that your opponent is, is going to be able to kill the two Obnixiluses. They might take one down, but there's almost no chance they're going to kill two. And then you've just then got a planeswalker that's just ticking up every turn and eventually getting to minus seven and drawing seven cards and whatever. If you play it on turn six and yeah, you have a, a four power creature or you know, even a three power creature, well then, yeah, you, you're sort of even further along and you end up with two planeswalkers with like nine loyalty between them. It's pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite it's powerful. Would, like would like you I said, it's, it, its abilities aren't crazy strong. It's just the combination of- Well, not singularly, the but two in multiples. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah, yeah. It's the t- the, when you have two of them, so you're getting two activations per turn. So if you survive that first turn and untap with two of them, you'll get still, you've had two activations already. You're then going to get another two. And then if you continue to survive from there, you're, you're just getting two <laughs> activations well, that, per turn. Yeah. Now, imagine if it said like it was three mana and the plus one was each opponent discards two cards or loses four life. Yeah. That that is what it is. That's, yeah, that's insane. Yeah, it's just going to add up. It's going to add up really quickly. The other thing is the token that it creates is non-legendary. So if you happen to draw another Obnixilus later on, you yeah. can still play it. And yeah, your legend rule the one that you've already got on the field, but the token that you get is non-legendary. So you can end up with three or four. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, so yeah. Not, don't now. This card is filthy, right? I think it's filthy, <laughs> but. 
don't get me wrong, I'm sleeving up four of them as soon as I can. <laughs> yeah. Or crafting four of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we do. Like I said, Cracker, we've already got the, the red-black sacrifice base deck. Like, you've got eye twitches and shambling ghasts that mm-hmm. you're more than happy to be sacrificing. Uh, I hear a lot of people talking about... Oh, now I've forgotten the, the name of it. There's a 3-1 for one and a black that... Uh, would curve is it the nicely in silver smoke ghoul or whatever it is. No, there's one that you can bring back from your grave. I can't. I've just completely blanked on what the name. It's, of it, it's one of the vampires, the right? Yeah, I think it was from Zendikar. Okay. Anyway, it's a, it's a three one. You can bring it back from your graveyard with certain conditions, but it's a two drop. So you play that on turn two, play this on turn three, get your your second three loyalty Obnixilis and just win the game from there. So yeah, strong, strong card, very, uh, very powerful, and will be interesting to see how it goes. It might be overhyped, but it's—I don't know, man. It's pretty strong. I don't know. <laughs> I think we're going to see a lot of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we he's, might. He's going to be around. Yep. What about you, right. Shorty? What have you got on your list? Uh, one on my list is, uh, as I've said before, first thing I do when I'm looking at previews is just sort them by colour and go to the red cards, have a look at those. Uh, so we spoke already about the, the Devilish Valet, but another one is Strangle, which is a, a single red for a sorcery and it deals three damage to target creature or planeswalker. Pretty uh, pretty standard, um, you know, nothing, nothing complicated. There would be much better if it went to, uh, to our opponent's face. If we had that option, why can't they give us lightning bolt at sorcery speed? Is that just too strong? Uh, it's just lava spike, isn't it? No, a lava spike only goes to players. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it's too strong. No. Anyway, yeah. So we've got you know we've got frostbite already in standard, but so this is like frostbite that's always turned on. But frostbite is instant speed, so you are lacking that. But one of the things we've had in the, the mono-red aggressive decks for quite a long time in standard is we haven't had those go-to-the-face burn spells, and so the burn spells that you're playing are really just removal. So having a, a single red to cl- clear a, a pretty decent-sized blocker uh, with three toughness is is pretty handy for those sorts of decks because often you get sort of brick-walled by like two, three creatures. They're just that combination of reasonable power so they will kill your creatures when you attack into them but the three toughness is, is often hard to deal with so having a, a single red spell that uh, that will take down those creatures is is going to be quite nice for that one day when we finally get the uh, the full mono red aggressive deck back playable in standard i'll keep crossing my fingers all right Stu, gives another one yeah so uh my next one is jewel thief it's a two and a green for a cat rogue. It's a common, by the way. It's vigilance, trample, and when Jewel Thief enters the battlefield, create a treasure token. And it's a three three. It's a lot of uh, it's a lot of stuff on a three mana. Oh, sorry, what do we call it these days? Three mana value uh, common. <laughs> it seems like and a very good limited card. Yeah, it's and that's exactly why I've picked it out here. Is that in limited? I think this is going to be a classic case of a, a mythic common or a rare common, right? Like, mm. that is just strong. <laughs> and, yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. A uh, bit of ramp and just, yeah, that combination of Vigilance and Trample is always fantastic. I think it'll do some work in the limited scene. I I don't know if there is any chance of it showing, you know, showing up in Constructed at all, but it's not far off, I think. What do you no. guys think? I think if either one of those stats were a four, it would 
almost definitely see play. I think that the 3-3 three, three is like, yeah, Vigilance Trample's nice and, and the Treasure Token definitely nice, but I think it just being a flat 3-3 three, three probably isn't quite enough to- Either to that or it had play. to be two. Needed to cost like one and a green. Yeah, if it was yep. one one and a green for exactly that card, then yeah, 100%. Then it wouldn't be common, would it? it would no, be it would definitely not. looking at uh, Rare <laughs> Mythics <laughs> status there. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, that's. I think it's a really cool card for for limited play. Yeah, I see you drafting a bunch of those in in uh, your near future. Oh yes, <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> all right, Cracker, give us another one. Oh, buddy, I've got all of the words on my cards tonight <laughs> because I, I, unlike Shorty, sort by rarity and look at all the fancy, flashy <laughs> mythics. And this one is called Lord Xander the Collector. He is. A four and then Maestro. There we go. I got it. Uh, so four blue, black, <laughs> Did you have to look red. it up before you said no, that? No, I didn't. I didn't. I had it in front of me. <laughs> Definitely doesn't say that it's Maestro's on the watermark in front of me either. Uh, he is a legendary creature, vampire, demon, noble. He's a 6-6. Six, six. And then- all of the paragraphs begin. When Lord Xander the Collector enters the battlefield, target opponent discards half the cards in their hand, rounded down. When he attacks, I'm not going to read his name again, defending player mills half their library, rounded down. And when he dies, target opponent sacrifices half the non-land permanents they control, rounded down. Yes, that is all. <laughs> this, this, it it <laughs> absolutely is. This is, no, just straight. It's, it is the most grixis card. Yes. It, it does all of the things and none of them are good. Yep. And it makes me <laughs> yeah. so happy. It just needs to say draw a card on there somewhere and it would be like amazing. Um, I think if there's a way to cheat it into play, so there's Sorin. That's the key. Uh, which lets you put vampires into play. He's not in standard anymore though, is he? That Sorin that's rotated. Is that, is that there is a Sorin in standard, but I can't remember which one it is. Otherwise, yeah, it's, I think it's that one. Historic and Pioneer. Uh, so then, yeah, or or if there's there's a way to you know like discard and reanimate. We've we've obviously talking about um the mechanic where you get to loot if you if there's a cheap way for you to be able to reanimate Lord Xander, or if you can hide it away and not have to have nine cards in your hand to cast him, then uh, then that's kind of how it. That's when it would be strong. As it is, and obviously there's a lot of people talking about this in Commander, as you can imagine. Uh, I imagine you'd be a pretty hated individual if you decided to put him in the command zone. <laughs> he also costs seven, which is a mi- which is a <laughs> million. A lot. <laughs> it's like I play the Locust God and it costs six, and that's hard to get to sometimes. And it's like six to seven is a lot, and yeah. it is. It's rounded down each time and it's target opponent. So, it's not like it's yeah, hitting it's the whole table. Yeah. yeah. So, it, it's not like a full group slug kind of deck. It's very much a spiteful <laughs> card. <laughs> you're very much like singling out an individual each time. Tim, if you're listening to this, you should put this together. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, anyway. I, I Look, this card is sweet. The, the thing that made me sad about this is- um, I was like, oh, Lord Zendar looks like a cool character. And then on one of the arts, it's literally Obnixilis just murdering him <laughs> in the art. Like, that's just what happens. Ob comes in in the story and he's just like, I'm going to take over this plane. I better do it by eliminating the houses. And he just kills Lord Zendar straight off the rip. Oh, unlucky. Anyway. There you go. Bit of uh, Vorthos good. nonsense for you. Yep. Nice. What about you, Shorty? What else have you got there? All right, I have a an equipment. So 
this with some hard to say words, Luxior Giada's Gift. I'm going to go with that. Yeah, it's uh, uh, perfect. It's an equipment uh, for a single mana, which is always good for an equipment. Uh, has equipped creature gets plus one, plus one for each counter on it. Okay. Seems seems right. Equipped permanent isn't a planeswalker and is a creature in addition to its other types. Loyalty abilities can still be activated. That's a sentence <laughs> I don't think we've ever read before, uh, equipping a planeswalker. And then, uh, yeah, you can equip it to a planeswalker for a single mana or you can just equip it to a, a normal creature for three. So right off the bat, this thing combos with Devoted Druid, uh, which is a card that's in my commander deck I just built. Uh, that is, it's an O2 and it has, you know, can tap it for a green and then you can put a minus one, minus one counter on it to untap it. So with this, every time you're putting a counter on it to untap it, it's getting plus one, plus one for each counter. So the it's just negating the, the minus one, minus one, which means you just have infinite mana. You can just untap your untap to your devoted druid infinitely and uh, and make infinite mana uh which is good there's, there's a whole bunch of different ways to do that and and most of them are in my commander deck i just built so that's cool the equipped permanent isn't a planeswalker and is a creature in addition to its other types is interesting so one mana pay one to equip it to a planeswalker this counts any counter and gives it plus one plus one. So that includes loyalty counters. So you equip this to, say, Elspeth, who I think this is who this sword is it meant is to be. Correct. Uh, you know, let's say Elspeth has four loyalty counters on it. Well, so, you equip this. Yeah, no. we should talk about Elspeth because it's worth, like, it, it makes sense that it goes with this. So Elspeth starts with five. Yep. And then its first ability is choose up to one target creature, put a plus one plus one counter on it from among flying, first strike, lifelink, or vigilance. So if you equip the sword to Elspeth, it's immediately a 7-7. Seven, seven. Uh, well, it's immediately it a 5-5. Five, five, no, no, no. It's, it, well, as soon as you plus one, though, yeah, then you it goes up it. to six as loyalty, and then you put the counter on Elspeth. Yeah. And it gets one of those abilities. Well, it get, so it gets no, it gets two, so it gets, it gets two, two counters. counters. It's put a put a plus one plus that's, one counter and a counter from correct. among flying. That's, so that's where seven for, comes from. No, no it starts, be, it, so it's it becomes eight because it's got the loyalty counter as well. The loyalty counter as well. Yeah. So it becomes yeah. oh, it gets it starts with pl- <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's five. No, it gets goes up five, one. Yep. To make it loyalty. Six, so it's six. Then then, yep. it, then it gets a plus one plus one counter. Yep. So that's a counter. Well, actually, it's more than that. So it gets a counter. Which is a plus one, plus oh, one. Oh, yeah. Okay, sure. It also gets the plus one, plus one from having that extra counter. And then it gets a counter from having a- uh, It has a counter flying on it that is either flying, flying first strike or whatever, which also gives it a plus one, plus one. So, it's actually a nine, nine. No, it'd be eight. No, it'd be eight. But it's getting plus one, plus one. No, no. Th- so, the the sword itself doesn't give any base po- um, po- power or toughness. No, but you've got- so it starts with six, five. You, you got plus it. Okay, it goes you to six. Six loyalty counters. So there's six. Yep. And you've, got, folks. you've got a let's say a flying counter. Yep. So that seven. makes it seven. Yep. It's then got a plus one plus one counter on it. So yes, that is that an extra counter, which is eight. But it also gets plus one plus one oh, from okay. that counter. Sure. Yeah. All right. No, you're so right. So it's nine. So you put it on Elspeth. That's, you okay. plus Elspeth. It is a nine nine flyer or first strike or life link or vigilance or whatever you want it to be. So that is weird. <laughs> and it's also weird that you can still, it, it's not a planeswalker, so you can't kill it with planeswalker stuff. You also can't attack it like you do normally with a planeswalker, but you can still activate it, all of its abilities. It does die to creature removal now though. 
instead of Planeswalker removal. So very weird. It's a weird, weird card. And I have no idea if that's going to be good or not, but it bears talking about because it's also extremely confusing <laughs> seeing, yes. judging by the three minutes we just had to try and work out. <laughs> well, that's also the thing confusing about putting its own <laughs> plus one, plus one, plus one, plus ones on itself. <laughs> yeah. So very, very strange card. Elspeth itself does look fairly, fairly good. Five mana, five loyalty. Yeah, pump, pumps up some creatures or you can look at the top seven cards of your library and put a, uh, a permanent with mana value three or less onto the battlefield and uh, and then makes a bunch of angels after that. So. Well, it has a shield counter on it as well, which I think is really important. Yeah, the, the permanent that you yep. put in from your, your library. Yep. So, yeah, interesting card. We'll see if it uh, if it's actually playable. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Stu, I think you've got one more on your list. I do have one more and it's a bootlegger stash. It's a five and a green uh, mythic rare art- artifact with lands you control have tap create a treasure token. Why? Yeah. <laughs> what do we think? What, I, I've seen a bit of chatter on Twitter, and on the surface, it seems really great. You know, you you, you if you've got lands open, they're, they're never dead. You just create more tokens. There's got to be token shenanigans. I, I don't know. I think it's I think it's a very good card, but it does it's, cost six. Yeah, it's weird. Like if you're Let's say you're ramping into into this. You pl- you've got six mana somehow. You play this. That's your turn. You, you don't yes. get any benefit from it that turn unless you've got untapped lands somehow, which you're probably not unless you, you're sort of playing this off curve. But if you get to untap with it, you've effectively doubled your mana the first turn, and then what, no, because you, you don't get to tap well, it for no, mana haven't. and a treasure. Yeah. So no, you get to but choose- you're yeah, yeah, but you're. You can tap. You still get double your mana that turn. How? Oh no, no, you're not. Yeah, because no, you have to tap no, them to don't. create the turns. Yeah, okay. So you got to go like a couple of turns in to actually see any the real, real benefit of it, I guess. of it. And that that was sort of the the yeah what I was getting at is there's been a lot of mixed. Some people that just seem to be really high on it, and I'm I'm trying to think of reasons as to why that would be. I mean. Unless you're, you're bouncing lands and, you know, doing some sort of amulet titan thing in standard or somewhere, I don't know, but I don't, I think it's cool. And I like the idea of, yeah, as I said, open mana in the end step of your opponent's turn. Oh, I've still got a couple of mana here. I'll just tap that and create some tokens for next turn. That's where I see the benefit. I can't see how else it really pops off. Well, it pairs nicely these- with Goldspan Dragon. The- yes. <laughs> There's these cards, not in command, obviously. There's uh, Wilderness Reclamation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then there's also Seedborn Muse, yeah. which lets you yes. untap yep. at the beginning of each untap step, the, the, which just kind of pops off at that point. Um, That's true. Why is it green? <laughs> Cause just green because is. green needs more mana? <laughs> it shouldn't be green. <laughs> it just shouldn't exist. It's, it's just like... This yeah. card is either going to literally do nothing or it's going to be broken. Yeah, that's why it should and be broken. Nothing, nothing in between. So why, why bother? Yeah, it just seems like a weird card to make. Anyway, is, yeah. is, it is what it is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> All right. Uh, we got any others we want to talk about? I think I had, uh, I've got one more on my list. Uh, cut your losses. There's quite a few. I will just sort of say, just generally on the set, there's a whole bunch of sayings. About you know, you know, make them an offer they can't refuse, and different things like this, and cut cut your losses. Sort of, I guess, falls into that sort of line as well. But this is uh, four blue blue 
not red, four blue blue for a sorcery, and it has target player mills half their library rounded down, and it has casualty two, so you can sack a creature with power two or greater, and when you do, copy this spell, and then you can choose a new target if, if you want, but generally you're going to choose the same person, and I saw, I've seen so many people on Twitter just not understanding how this works, and just going, oh, oh insta win, you shorty, didn't you know you just win, win on the spot? <laughs> No, yeah. that's not how it works. <laughs> so you mill half Maths their library. <laughs> the copy will resolve first. You mill half their library and then the spell resolves and you mill half of the remainder of their library. So it's going to be a lot that you're, you're going to be milling. But yes, it does not does not instantly win. And you, you still have to find a way to finish off the rest of their, their library. But I have played uh, this card in the past, I think. I'm pretty sure that's... Uh, Traumatize is the uh, mm-hmm. the one five minute sorcery. Yeah, uh, yeah, same thing. Target player puts the half of their library around it down. So I've I've definitely played that card <laughs> in to- in tournaments. I've registered it for tournaments before, but uh, I don't I don't think I'll be registering this one. Sadly, probably not going to see play. But there is, there is actually a bit of milling theme. There, there is. Yeah, there was already a bit is. in standard, but there is a bit in in this set as well. So who knows? Maybe there'll be a, a fancy mill deck there. I found one more card I want to talk about real quick. Go for it. It's called Reservoir Kraken. It is two blue blue for a Kraken. It is a 6-6 six, six with Trample and Ward 2. At the beginning of each combat, if Reservoir Kraken is untapped, any opponent may tap an untapped creature they control. If they do, tap Reservoir Kraken and create a blue 1-1 fish token creature with this creature can't be blocked. That's a cool card. I have no idea what we're doing with this, but it's a four mana six six with trample. Four mana six six trample with yeah. ward two. I mean, so yeah. you're you're kind of forcing an opponent to like leave a creature untapped to to deal with this every turn. Yeah. And Meanwhile, you're making a, an army of one one fish. Yeah, that can't be blocked here. It is well, at the so- beginning of each combat as well, so I guess your your opponent does get to choose. Do they want to tap it down so it can't block you, but then you get the fish, which can block? Exactly. Or do you want to tap it down so that you can't attack with it? Yeah. Interesting. You're putting the ball in your opponent's court. Yeah. I mean, so, like, that. it's not usually great to give your opponents a choice, but I just wonder whether the unblockable fish is something that we can abuse as well, whether that's, like, a ninjutsu thing we can get going, like another enabler for that kind of oh, yes. side of things, whether there's some shenanigans that can be had. Mm. Plus, goes you, well you're, with you're like Kaito. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly right. Yep. Anyway, interesting <laughs> card. I don't know if it's good, but it seems sweet. Yep. Yeah, nice. The other cards we've got that are probably worth mentioning is that there's been a new cycle. I guess you you call yep. them that are sort of they seem seem to be like replacements for evolving wild. So there's one for each of the the different families. So the one I'm looking at is Cabaretti Courtyard. And it's a basic land, uh, sorry, not a basic, a common land. When Cabaretti Courtyard enters the battlefield, sacrifice it. When you do, search your library for a basic mountain, forest, or plains card, put it onto the battlefield, tapped, then shuffle, and you gain one life. So it seems like this is <laughs> Wizard's way of speeding up games on Arena because <laughs> yes. it's really annoying when you play an Evolving Wilds or your opponent plays one and it stops on every single phase asking if you, you know, giving you the opportunity to crack your uh, your evolving wilds uh and often when i'm playing on arena i just crack it at the first opportunity oh yeah just same because i can't be bothered waiting and just you know give up all that equity of telling your opponent what colors you're playing or whatever <laughs> um but yeah these are, these are interesting so they're, they're fetching 
uh, one of the lands of the family of the like the Cabaretti, which is the the Naya mountain forest or plains. It comes into play tapped, which is the same for an evolving odds. You get to gain a life, so that's nice. But yeah, an interesting nod to arena play and uh, sort of trying to speed things up. Uh, did we? Have you guys talked at all about the um, ascendancies? We talked about the, right. the fact that they were back, yeah. um, but we we certainly didn't go through all of them. I think there was one initially spoiled that we went through. I can't remember yeah, which one. Was probably the don't need one. to need to bother there's, going through them. There's a lot of text on those. Yeah, so there's five. We've seen ascendancies in the past uh, in Khan's block previously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've got another another five of those for for each of those tri colors. Same with the charms, which again we've seen those in the past as well. The charms are the ones the spells where you get three or four options and it's always choose one and yeah i don't think any of the ascendancies or charms seem crazy powerful but they all seem decent i don't know if the ascendancies will see much play but the some of the charms probably will and then i think we've spoke about before that there's the the not triomes the tricolored lands filling out the the rest of the cycle which is very good to see because those lands are, are cool yeah, so 100%. yeah i think that's it um general sort of feel for the set <laughs> we were saying before the the podcast i don't think any of us are very excited about this set is that uh that true for you guys yeah but i think for me it's more so just my current you know circumstances just having the time to really soak it in but um i guess at the same time if i was really excited about it i'd find the time <laughs> there's some yeah. cool there's some cool stuff in there though so i think um once once we get our hands on it whether physical or digitally That'll be when we, yeah, when I find out exactly how I feel about it. Yep. Yeah, I just haven't been, haven't been that excited. I was saying before the podcast that the last set, the Kamigawa set, was like I loved everything about the set: the the art style, the the alter, alternate arts, the the cards themselves, the what it did to standard, the draft format, everything about it was just really good. And this set, I am just not interested at all. I just I don't like the alternate arts. I'm just I'm not drawn in by the theme despite liking gangster theme stuff and yeah it's just been a general feeling of like okay yeah this is it's just another set that i'm I'm not that excited about what about you cracker i can't make up my mind yet like parts of it really draw to me which i think look mm. like awesome and i love some of the art styles some of it is a bit just over the top as well you know like there's particularly some of the lands and things i think we talked about Initially, some of the alternate stuff. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on. So, I, I don't hate it, but I don't. I'm not like madly in love with it either. I'm kind of yeah, just a bit ambivalent. Meh. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's that's exactly what Wizards Marketing want to hear. Ah, oh, yeah, this set. Yeah, I'm just a bit <laughs> meh. <laughs> there's there's stuff that looks sweet, and I, like there's definitely cards that I'm looking forward to playing with. But yeah, the whole the whole thing isn't like I don't know. I, I was I, I was more excited leading up to it than I have been in seeing it. I think. Yep. Oh, we'll see how it goes uh, once it releases. So, yeah, this one is the uh, the set where they've gone back to the old style of pre-release. So, paper pre-release is actually next weekend, the, the weekend of the 22nd of April, and that is before the Arena release. So, it's coming out on Arena the 28th, so the following weekend, and paper that, that same weekend. So, yeah, it'll be first time in ages that a set you'll be able to go and play a pre-release before you've... <laughs> had a chance to play it online and work out which uh which archetypes are good for you if you pre-release and all that sort of thing so that'd be cool and and i again i would normally be excited about that sort of thing but i'm just just not for some reason for this set and it's also worth noting that this is the last set before rotation so we'll be back to 
eight set standard, so the, the large standard format. And then with the next set release, we will see the rotation of Zendikar, Kaldheim, Strixhaven, and D&D. They will all be rotating out of standard. So going to be interesting. Generally, we've seen this last set in standard be fairly powerful just to kind of compete with with all the other cards that are already there in standard. But I'm not seeing anything that's, uh, yeah, sort of warning bells other than Maybe Ob. Nixilis. <laughs> yeah, Ob for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, time will tell, so. It feels like rotation was not that long ago, man. I, can't, I mean, I can't, it was a little bit less than a year ago, so really it was, was not that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, like, doing stuff at work at the moment and we're working out things for July and <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah, we're already talking about past halfway of the year. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. Yep. Anyway, all right, so that's it for uh, for New Capenna. We'll see what the set's like once we get our hands on it, and hopefully the draft format turns out to be a good one, which I know, Stu, you'd be keen to uh, to have happen again, a couple of good ones in a row. Uh, just a couple of little reminders on the way out the door. We do have our next event in the tournament series, so we've got our one-day historic event on Saturday the 30th of April, so in, in two weeks' time. 11 a.m. Melbourne time, and there's 250 bucks in cash and prizes up for grabs for that event. So uh, just go to magicbeanscast.com and you'll find the link there for all the tournament series stuff, and you can go and register on Jalonge and, and get in on that. Plenty of invitational points up for grabs, so, yeah, make sure you're signed up and registered. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be it, just the usual sort of stuff. If you want to get in on any of those events, come and join us in our Discord. Come and uh, have a chat to us about what you think of the new Capenna cards and uh, give us your opinions. And then once you start drafting it, let us know what archetypes Stu should be forcing so you can get back some of those gems that he's been burning. Oh, and <laughs> all I can do with some. <laughs> Uh, there's a link for our merch store. So uh, when we meet up at the uh, the regional championships towards the end of the year, you can be wearing some sweet Magic Beans gear. So go and find that link in the show notes and go and check that out. Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar, another shout out to them. Go to jpmtgbazaar.com.au and join up the Facebook auction group and post on the or comment on the pinned post that's there to get in on the giveaway that's currently going. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter, all those places. We are Magic Beans or Magic Beans Cast. If you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at Peace Inc. Cracker, you are? At Joel Hill underscore. And Stu? At M. Stewie. Very good. So that's it for this week. Thank you, as always, for listening. Stay safe out there. Have a good Easter, and we will see you all next time. <laughs> <laughs>